Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple, and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology, and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. The Theatre Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? On the podcast today from Melbourne, Australia, our co-artistic directors, Woody Miller, and myself in Cairo, Egypt. This podcast contains explicit language. Hi, Adam. Hi, Booty. <laughs> How you going? Uh, I'm, I'm okay, I suppose. How about you? You suppose? I suppose, yeah, sure. If, I had, to, if I had to sit and think about it, I, I, I might need to take some time. So I suppose I'm okay, yes. Do you suppose, huh? So what are you supposing these days? I suppose that I'm fine. What? (laughs) What about supposing that you are going to have a dog that will pee outside one day? Those are wishes and those are hopes. Those aren't suppositions. (laughs) Those are those are those are dreams and plans. <laughs> What's wrong, pray tell, Adam? She will not potty train. I mean, she's potty trained to a pee pad, but she doesn't understand that. Go away! And there she is. There she is. She's on the podcast now. <laughs> go, go away! Go away! I'm not talking about you. Nobody likes you anymore. I don't like you. Go away. She's very intelligent. No, no, she's not. She's dumb. She's a dumb, dumb dog. She's a dumb, dumb dog who doesn't understand you can pee outside. Why don't you know what you should do? You should pee outside, and then she'll follow suit. <laughs> well, as much as there are no rules in Cairo, I'm pretty sure that that's one of them that I can't get away with in this society. Really? Look, yeah. Obama and I, we walk, the, we walk the land together, and we pee together. On the yeah, land. but there's nobody around you. There's nobody you, you walk around in your underwear every day outside. We've had conversations about this. <laughs> Wait, so is that, that sounds like a hunger growl. That's a play oh, with me is, growls. She's that. totally jumping up. She's totally jumping oh, you, up. With, you, don't, oh, I, you. You, didn't get a chance, you, you didn't get a chance to see her. She is twice the size that she oh my was God. Let me I see left. her. Let me see her. Let me see her. Let me see her. I don't know if you... Oh my goodness. She's enormous. She's huge. She's she is all legs. She's like an eleven year old. You know how gangly <laughs> they haven't grown into their body yet. Can't quite understand how the world works. Like oh, she's just she's legs. Cute. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Puppies are forever, not just for Christmas. 
Yeah, well, I thought I, I thought I was I thought I was getting a puppy with somebody else to take care of it with me. It's just me here all the time with this dog. Not that um, I'm bitter or anything. That sounds quite bitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds. But this sounds like when I was a kid. Like I'd want to, I'd want a dog. I get a dog, and I never take care of the dog. And my mom was like, "Take the dog for a walk." I'm like, "Why do I want to take the dog for a walk?" She's like, "Cause it's your dog. You wanted a dog." She mm-hmm. wanted a dog. She got a dog, mm-hmm. and then she went mm-hmm. on holiday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! You have to ignore her. Oh, I do. I do it pretty well. <laughs> no, but like, I'm worried like, about. I'm worrying about. Turn, I'm wor- turn your body from her. Your your, your knees are towards her. Uh, okay. Well, turn your body I'm away. About, I'm also one of those people that like I worry about stunting her development by not giving her lots of hugs and kisses and things. She's so. a dog. <laughs> Don't look her in the eye because she'll get you if you look her in the eye. So yeah. think they they can read your body language. If you if you have one ounce of attention on her, she's got mm. you. She knows you. She peed. That's that's what she barks. She peed in my bed yesterday. What? Yeah, she's peeing right now as we speak. There we go. Good. Just just on the floor. Just miss the puppy pla- puppy pad by two feet. You're in the general direction. Oh you're in the God. general area. I mean, it's you're in the zip code of the puppy pad. That's fine. Just I'll get that later. No, no. Go go lay down on the. No, good. Step in it first. Now go lay on the couch. Great, great, awesome. Thank you, thank you. Um. <laughs> Help. I am. Help. <laughs> I am like officially disgusted. Help. Yep. Yeah. Do we need to take a do we need to take a pause? No. It's done. The the the, the deed is done. It's, there's nothing I can do about it right now. It's so just, is this this is, is my, this <laughs> This is my life. Is this puppy dissension? <sighs> I don't know this puppy. This is puppy this because you went me. away for two weeks? Is this why is she oh, good, giving good, you good, attitude? Yeah. Good. Yeah, do that too. Oh, perfect. Oh no, what is she doing? You know what she's doing. She's yeah. on the floor? No, she made it on the puppy pad this time. Is she doing an Amber Heard? <laughs> yes, she's doing an Amber Heard on the on the on the puppy pad. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So we had to take a, a, a slight puppy break. <laughs> yeah. I have to tell you something. All the things you were saying to your dog, she doesn't understand a damn thing you're saying. I know. Do you know I'm not do saying you, it for her. I'm saying do you it know for what me. she understands? Behavior. <laughs> and do you know what you just trained her to do? Pee on my floor. Piss and shit on the floor, then jump on the sofa. We'll get her attention. How many how many shots of mezcal have you been drinking so far? I just started, it, but boy, this day looks like it's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish this bottle today. It's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're having cocktails. It's cocktail hour. So mm. my cocktail preference is vodka, Shirak mm-hmm. vodka, because you know, mm-hmm. give it to the homies, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, freshly squeezed lemon, <laughs> folks. So I want to talk about this. Booty, oh, no. Booty, sa- <laughs> Booty said he wants he he just wants a shot of vodka and some lemon, and his shot glass is basically a rocks glass. He just fills that up to the top, 
lets it fall over, licks the counter, and then that's his shot glass. That's his uh, <laughs> his shot glasses. <laughs> no, I have to have a glass big enough for my one gigantic cube of ice. Yeah, but your your shot was like three shots. <laughs> I have basically- a, ladies and gentlemen, I have a New York pour. <laughs> <laughs> New York or yeah, exactly. Yes, I do. I do. And it, mm. it, look, each to his own, you know, it's like, you. it's mm. like, you've got your special mezcal over there. I've got my special vodka over here. And sometimes we just have to tell our story by ourselves. That's true. That's true. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did I just, oh my God. I got you. Mm-hmm. I got you a segue, baby. That's what I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Marple, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the uh, bathroom behaviors of small dogs <laughs> in Cairo. Oh no, 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 not. We're talking about. We're talking well, about. It was a solo performance. Yeah, it was a solo. It was all. It was a one. It was a one-on-one performance. It was a one-on-one performance. Performance. It's true. It was all. All her doing. We're talking about one-person shows today. Mm. Solo works. Mm. Mm. Something. We have a little bit of chronologin. Mm. Just a little bit. Just a tad just, bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Why is that, Adam? Uh, well, we just finished your one-person show. Yeah. And we've done other one-person shows before. We have. And we have taught solo works and how to mm-hmm. make solo work before. So we have. we have just a little bit of knowledge Yeah, in just this, in this area. Just, just a little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> so I have a question for you then. Okay. When you think of of solo monologue could do we do we put cabaret in this uh in this genre as well uh, it certainly could be um and when i ran the solo fest in singapore i i opened it up to that we had we had a couple of uh cabaret kind of things that happened there it's it's yeah it could be in that kind of category is stand up yeah i know right like where are the boundaries like is is a monologue? Is that is that enough? Like, what is it? Um, I would say stand up is its own art form in general. That most stand ups would not want to consider it theater. Um, mm. They want to consider its own uh, art form. So I I wouldn't say stand up. No. Yeah, I agree. Not with because you. I don't like them, but just because it's no. its own thing. Well, it, it reminds me of when I asked I asked someone. I was like, "Do you think?" Because I went to Thailand. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I went to like one of those vagina sex show things that they do. <laughs> yes. And yes. I was like, and these women are skilled. I mean, mm-hmm. it is it is full on. It's mm-hmm. it's athletics, mm-hmm. the things that they can do with their genitalia. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is totally performance art. But then I came home to you and I said, this is performance art. And you made, you, you made the same gesture. You made the mm-hmm. same gesture. Mm-hmm. And so why, why do you think that that is not performance art? And it's just striptease. Well, it, it is the same thing. It's like, would you consider pole dancing performance art? Would you consider burlesque performance art or theater? Some burlesque is performance art. 
Some burlesque is, and then some burlesque is not. It's, it's the difference. I mean, what you described is more, as you said, it's athletics. It's more of a sport what they're doing than, <laughs> than a performance art. It's it, like archery. I mean, it's full on like. I mean, yeah. It's, it's the Olympics. Put your eye out. The vagina Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there is definitely, there's a difference between being performative and being a performance. Okay, and so so let's let's okay then let's let's define that. What's the difference between performance and performative? I would say that even in sports, it, there is a performative element to sports, right? Sports, if 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 a creature, an alien, were to come down and view a sporting event, and then they were to look at a theater play, there would be a lot of similarities. There would be a lot of carryovers of that. There's an audience. And there's somebody that the audience is looking at and the, the person that they are looking at is doing something for the audience. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, of a, of a soccer match, of a football match. Um, when someone scores a goal, yes, there is the goal that you are needing to do. There's, there's something that you are there to do, an objective. But then there is a, the praise that comes afterwards. When you score a goal, you turn around, you take off your shirt, you throw your hands in the air and you... You know, you look at the fans. There is something performative about doing your task that way. But we don't ever say that sports is theater. We don't say that a, a football match is a play. There's a, there is a barrier in between there because they are not actors. They are not in, enacting a role. They are not putting on a character. Um, I so think they're it's performative really interesting things. That you said the objective is to make points to score a goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And entertainment comes out of the scoring of the goal, winning, the, getting the point, winning the match. Yeah. But it's not exclusively to perform for the audience. There's Correct. another goal, the goal at stake. There's yes, another objective exactly. at stake. Exactly, exactly. Right? So we're, when we're watching performance, <clears throat> the objective is to tell a story, to to elicit response, to, it's, it's you know, it's, a, it's, it's fully about the audience, Performance yes. is fully about the audience. Performative yes. nature becomes about the audience, but it comes within the, a structure that is not specifically for the audience. It's for the team to win so they can get their money, so they can get their points, so they can get their standing. And then you yeah. have the fans that are in the audience, that are in the audience, that are in the, that are in the, that are the stands, you mm-hmm. know, the fans in the stands. And, uh, they become like an audience when it gets performative until their team loses, and then they become a mob. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and they burn the place down and, yeah, and they build a new stadium. Exactly. So then you, would you say that the genitalia shows in Thailand are performative but not performance? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's. I mean, the goal is entertainment. There's that's mm-hmm. for sure. It's for sure entertainment. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it is performative. It is performance in the same way that burlesque mm-hmm. is performance. In the mm-hmm. same way that um, stand up is performance. Mm-hmm. Is in the same way that um, a street artist on the corner is performance. Mm-hmm. Certainly. But you wouldn't call it performance art? What kind of performance no. would you call it? I would just call it performance. I would I'd call it erotic performance. I would call it a, a sex show. Sex show. Yeah. yeah. Erotic performance, but not performance art. I don't think so, because I actually don't think that they would also classify themselves as performance artists. And if we're going to go the Duchamp model, 
we have to go with if the artist calls themselves an artist, then they're an artist. And I think that's the one right there. I think I think all credit to these to these amazing performers. Um, I don't think that they think of themselves in the same category as Marina Abramovich. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exact. That's a perfect way to put it. I was I was fishing. I was you know I was mm. baiting you to get to get out to Duchamp because it's really important that the artist understands that they are the one that creates the actual artifact. They mm. are the artifact or whatever. If they're performance, if it's performance art, they are the artifact. Right. And you, and through that, there is, there's a conversation, there's a dialogue. What are we looking at? Why, why are we looking at it in this particular way? What is the aesthetic? Because you have that Singaporean uh, performance artist who was, who did, uh, the, the gangbang performance, right? She would, she did a whole mm. like porn where she was being gangbanged and that was her whole performance art. And it was, and it was documented as performance art and the scholarship was performance art. But she's an artist that went into that, that, durational work in that way and you and because performance performance artists they use their body they use the the um the stamina of their body the the fragility of their body the response of their body as the vehicle yeah but i i think there's one other corollary that we've never really quite talked about and and it, it is along the, the same lines as the Duchamp model, which is also you have to have an audience that accepts that. Duchamp mm. says that, and then everybody looked at his stuff and said, okay, yes. But there's also the possibility that the audience says no. And if enough of the audience says no, and nobody goes along with you saying that you're an artist, then... <clears throat> Then Unfortunately, no, no, but no, but see now that's what gives you Dina Rohrabacher and Tipo Gore. You know, that's what our our fabulous '80s artists, '80s and '90s artists fought against. That's what Keith Haring fought against. That's what um, uh, Robert Maplethorpe uh, fought against. That's what Karen Finley fought against. Specifically, that's what John Waters was fighting against. Specifically, I'm not, because no, no, I'm not saying I'm what I'm saying is if nobody recognizes that. They had recognition. They had plenty of recognition. They had plenty of people who liked it. There are people who. There are always going to be people who do not like the work. That's not what I'm right. saying. I'm saying yeah. if if you if you Lee Bowery and I mean like if if we didn't have a Lee Bowery, we wouldn't have an Alexander McQueen or a Lady Gaga. Right, but if no one recognizes it, then you can say that you're that I'm a bird that flies in the sky. But if no one recognizes you as a bird that flies in the sky, then you're just a crazy person, really, aren't you? Well. So, See, this is that's it's a fine line. No one is a fine line because the person that's producing the work is someone, and if they're identifying themselves as artists, it's a fine okay. line, Adam. Because look I, ide- at, look, I look identify Van Gogh. myself look as at a Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. There were people that yes. thought he was crazy. He was crazy, but there were people that thought he was crazy that it wasn't that it wasn't art. Except for the fact that he did actually sell some things in his lifetime, and that his family kept all of his things in his lifetime, I'm 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 not saying that like 
I mean, we're, we're playing it. We're playing a, a mind game here and getting off the topic of what solo performance actually is. But well, no, because it's because that actually goes. This is this is this is a direct route to solo performance. I think because that's the vulnerability that someone who's putting up work like this. It's it. it sometimes it's like, is this? Am I the only person here? Am I really preaching to my own choir? Am I singing my own tune? Am I just giving tickets out for myself to myself, and I'm the only audience? Like it's it's that kind of vulnerability that comes up when you're generating texts. And this is that you're doing solo work specifically that you're generating from yourself or generating um, um, with with your with your company, and you're you're going for something. It's and you and you're performing by yourself. You're by yourself, you know. So I'm just I'm just I'm just going at it because oftentimes what can happen is you can second guess that what you may think deep internally is is working, but there may be someone in the space that you're working with that don't doesn't get it. But there might be someone in the audience that will, but they won't say anything that they will. So how can you how can you really determine whether someone says it's art or not if you the artist believe that it's art? I mean, look at Yoko Ono. Her solo work. <laughs> so by that definition, every single person on this planet is an artist. Well, by the Balinese definition, it, it is. When okay. they believe that everyone is an artist and you have to make art in some way. You have to if, find okay. where that art it lives inside of you. If it's not in painting, it's in singing. If it's not in singing, okay. it's in cooking. Okay. If it's not in cooking. Sure. If everyone is the same thing then no one is anything yes. because there is no differentiation then. So no. So then by that same respect now, carrying this to its full conclusion, no one is an artist. If everyone is an artist, then no one can be an artist. Okay. <laughs> now write a grant for that. <laughs> Because to, to who? I'm, but, <laughs> to, to what art? But, to arts council? <laughs> I'm not an artist, it, and you're not an artist either. Well, this is the other thing. This is the other thing. Arts. It's it's a it's a, it's a political thing as well. You know, if you go, if you go uh, the the Camille Paglia route, where she she as, with her abrasiveness and her academia and her uh, very glib statements that are rooted in a historical understanding, when she says. Men created art. Everyone goes all up in arms, right? Because what she's saying is, men created art. They created the they created the the bureaucracy of art and the club of art, and prevented women from being able to engage in this world because they couldn't create themselves. So they created art community and and expelled women from these spaces. So when you so. We're really going into the what where, what is art? <laughs> I mean, but that could be another yeah. podcast, right? That exactly. That's, podcast. that's 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 very tangential for what we're trying right? to start with. Yes, right. It's a, that's a you know, and it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful sl slippery slope to go down um, when you're trying to create work because. Well, let's start. Let's start with all the different types. Let's because I wanted to start with the different types of solo performance. So, what are the different types of solo performance, Adam? From what genre? From where? For theater. Okay, so let, theater. Let, let's let's space. We're 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 a theater company, yes. and we are a theater <laughs> podcast for theater. Yes. Yes. So you have your one person show, which can mm -hmm. come in many shapes and sizes from. 
<clears throat> autobiographical to biographical to narrative, as we talked about before, it can be in that cabaret land. So it can be a, a songspiel kind of kind of thing that can be there. What else am I missing? Um, I think burlesque falls in there as well. Again, if it's if it is considered theater, if it's if mm-hmm. the performers is trying it to be specifically theater and not burlesque, which I would say is its own art form. I think I think hip hop spoken word is in that place as well. Could be. Again, I would I would I would say that spoken word poetry is again it's probably its own genre, but there are there are crossovers. Crossovers, yeah. Exactly. So with with that, what was the first? Because there was a, there's a lot that have happened. It's it's interesting. Like when we when we chose this topic, I was thinking about what are the solo performers that I really performances that I really have been moved by, mm. and and the performers that have just like changed me, you know. And it's and it's the, ironically, it's primarily been women. Hmm. I mean the first the first, my for the the performer that that I always think of is Anna Devere Smith first first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verbatim yeah. theater. Yeah. I, I remember, remember seeing it. Go go for go go go. Yeah. Well, I was I was going to say I I've never actually seen her perform. I've seen recordings of her performing. But I remember same. Way back in the way back in the day when American Theater Magazine was an actual magazine and I had a subscription mm-hmm. to it in high school, um, I was on the bus. I remember this very, very specifically because I read because they had printed Twilight 1992. Mm. And I read I remember reading it on the bus and going, oh, wow, this can this can be theater, too. You can do yeah. this. Yeah. And I kept on thinking, like, what an amazing performer she must be to switch into these different accents, these different characters. Yeah. What an amazing, like, journalist she is yeah. in this moment as well. Yeah. And watching her so. do it, actually do it. The way that she, uh, she transforms. Like, she she was the first kind of, and it, so it went from, and, you know, I was a kid from Michigan, so we didn't get a lot of the theater. We got it up. We got the, we saw the, you know, the PBS theater versions of yeah, right. the show. That's shows, what I saw. Right? That's what I saw. Exactly. You know? So, <clears throat> but also to see a black woman in these, in this, in this sphere was, yeah. for me, groundbreaking, you know? And, and then, it, it, I'm not going to go on. I'm going to. I want yours first. What's your first? What's your first? Your first one person artist or show that pops in when you're like, ah, that began my that began my my respect, my love, my curiosity for one person. Well, material. I I mean I think I think I can't I can't quite nail down the first one that I saw because like I said that I remember reading. Anna Devere Smith's Twilight 1992. And that led me to a book, which I think was called Extreme Exposure. And it was just full of one-person shows. So then mm. fully fully published scripts from Eric Bogosian, uh, mm. Guillermo Gomez-Pena, um, mm. uh, Mike mm. Daisy. Um, mm. I mean, and, and I still have this book, and, and I remember reading it and going, 
this is so powerful. This is so incredible. And it's, it's not a monologue. It's not, it's not like something I can use for an audition. It's not something that I can just take a snippet of and perform. No, the entire thing is the story. And yeah. it's, it's just them alone up there. And, it, and you got to see the differing ways of doing it. And it did, you know, with Guillermo Gomez Pena, it, it was full-on performance art versus narrative or, you know, mm-hmm. or biography with, um, <laughs> and so Huey, so, uh, Roger, I'm going to mispronounce this middle name, Gwenver Smith, G U E N V E U R Smith. Um, and I'll link it in the show notes. Um, did a piece called the Huey P. Newton story that Spike Lee then turned into a film. Um, and I remember seeing the, again, the PBS special of that, and it would have been probably 97 or 98 when I actually saw that, but that was the first solo performance that I got to see. So again, also solo performance for me was highly political because I'm, I'm reading Anna Devere Smith. I'm reading Eric Bogosian. I'm reading Guillermo Gomez Pena. And then I'm seeing mm. Robert Kavir Smith's QEP Newton story. So, so for me, solo works were always highly, highly political works for me until I got to see something a little bit more narrative, which would have been a, probably the first thing I would have seen would have been a clown show, a full-on clown show in New York. Ah, oh, uh, Slava? No, it was something else. I Slava the, the Snow name. Show? It was a Slava Snow Show. I, I did see that, but I saw something else before I saw that. Something with a lot of ladders. Really beautiful piece. I, I, but this is the thing I thought, like, this is where I think that, like, all of the one-person pieces that I think of are female pieces because it is political. Because mm-hmm. you're talking about a genre that writes women out mm-hmm. of the story. Mm-hmm. And when you have a one-person, of one female piece where they are the story, they are the voice, they are the body, and, they, and yeah. no one else, right? They it's, seek it's, no. It's, they seek no permission from any anybody else. Exactly. Yeah. At all, and it's it it's so exhilarating, and also to watch them like you know when, when you watch Anna Devere Smith play different roles, she fully trans, she fully embodies the the different um, people that she's um, performing, but then you also have, then you also have Lily Tomlin. Mm. You know what? That may have been the first person I actually ever saw. That yeah, yeah, the um, oh, what's the name of the piece? God, dang it. what's the name of the piece? Uh, the, the universe, the it, it's something in the universe. Search for signs of intelligent life in the universe. That's search the for signs and intel- search for signs and intelligent life in the universe. Yes, yeah, Lily Tomlin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and but the, and that's the funny thing is like that particular one person piece was so popular to high school kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. loved that play. Yeah. Like, and we would we would take different characters from that play and do them as monologues for like auditions and stuff because they were just so interesting. That the the homeless lady. That was the one that <laughs> that was the one that everyone loved, the homeless lady. And the and the little girl. Oh and the and the, the teenage girl that's screaming on the on the on the um on the phone and on the payphone. Do those even exist? Do you have payphones in Cairo? Uh, we don't have sidewalks in Cairo. Why would we have payphones? <laughs> <laughs> we don't ha- we don't have payphones, but we have public phones. They don't they're free. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Must so nice you can just pick up a phone country. and call somebody. <laughs> call, you can call Tyrone from your first world public phone. <laughs> yeah, you can't use my phone for Tyrone's. So. Call him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then 
I also have okay. So this is a this is a an interesting one because given who I am today, what I've become in in all of my years of experience seeing the world and reading books and understanding narrative and uh repositioning and recentering oneself. I and and this is hard. It's really hard for me to say this. And I'm going to say this publicly. I'm going to say this on the podcast. I'm now having issues with some of Sandra Bernhard's work. Ooh. You used to quote from her all the time. I still do. Love the work. Love her. But I just, I feel there's some things that she said Particularly about Mariah Carey. Oh Lord! <laughs> you, you're Mariah over Sarah over Sandra. Well, no, it's not even over. It's just a, a word that she said and how she said it within the context of what she was saying. And I was just like, uh, "Does it mean just because you're a Jewish girl, you're going to give yourself the permission to use this 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 voice?" So I'm gonna keep it ambiguous because I'm because I'm still not fully formed on my opinions. I still love her, and she's always been a huge advocate for us gay people and us colored people, <laughs> us gay colored people. <laughs> but I and but I just and and I you know it was a it was a different time. But I just there's just some things that I'm like, girl, uh, that didn't age well. This one didn't age well. But I still. I'd still find her to be really fucking hilarious. And Without You, I'm Nothing was, you know, a a show that really was groundbreaking for one-person performances. And then you also have Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yeah. Whoopi. Well, again, again, does that get into stand-up comedy land? Mm, Well... John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Yeah. Yeah, that's like me and like acronyms. Sometimes if you have too many syllables in your name, <laughs> you're just gonna add some more. I'll add another. <laughs> I'll add another just just to make sure that I get it in the right zone. John John Leguizamo. Come on, what's his last name? Leguizamo. It's Leguizamo. Leguizamo. I thought it was Lugazamo. I've never heard him say it that way. <laughs> John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo, because you know me and my my malprofs. But John Leguizamo, his um he's done a couple on Broadway, actually. He has, yeah. A couple of really successful shows on Broadway. Yeah. And once again, we've got a person of color and mm-hmm. and and he's he's telling his story. I did you see the one um that it was a love like a kind of a a love not a love story but like a a note to his son about Is his that ancestry. The one, uh, the one that's on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's so good. It's so so good. I when I when I think about my work, I think about what am what are people learning from being in a space with my body and my history and the intersecting from my place that's and and i and, and john lugazamo he is the one that i that kind of envisioned for for how i would like to tell the story so i think 
we just let's take a break because I want to talk about I want to talk about those shows that we've done and how we've approached them to kind of give people ideas on if they are envisioning doing a one person performance or or writing something or directing something or in the middle of something and they can kind of hear how we go about it. How's that sound? Okay, sure. So, Adam, mm-hmm. shall we uh, talk about which one? Which one? Should we talk about negligence first? That's where we started. Might as well. That is where we started. So why did we do negligence? I think it's probably the why. Why? was the why? first. Well, yeah. Why did we want to do negligence? And why did we do negligence? Hmm. I, I, f- I feel bad that I, I can't remember our why on this one, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know I know why we asked Steven. I know why th- the show ended up being the way that it was, but I can't remember our starting point as to why we wanted to do that show. And I don't, I don't mean that to be like a, a, a joke kind of thing. Like, I know why we started the company. I can talk about the company till, you know, the cows come home, but like, I can't remember... The starting point for negligence, honestly. Uh, it was because we need, we wanted to do a show. Okay, well, that's, that's that's what I thought. That's what I was thinking. But I was like, there's got to be a deeper why than that, doesn't there? Well, because we, <laughs> we, we want to do something. Well, it it, it, deep, it deepened because we were we were, we were in the pool. We created the company in the swimming pool. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. In, in Bali, so we were and in we flow. were gonna and we were gonna do we were we were, we were doing Hamlet. We the idea was right. we were gonna start with Hamlet. But we yeah. both decided that Hamlet was way. We needed too, to create an audience first. Yeah, we needed was way too large of a, of a thing to just jump into. We needed to create an audience and test the theories before we could. And also to for people to be like, "Oh, Booty can act." Right, exactly, because they had not seen you perform. Right, they, they they were not thinking, and and certainly people in the industry did not think of you as an actor either. Yeah, and exactly. We, and we needed to we needed to relieve them of that fact. So. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so we asked Steven specifically to write to your skill set. Yeah. And and yeah, so there you go. And Steven was like, oh my God, he does everything. Okay, let's <laughs> make it really fun. Mm-hmm. And that was that was what we did. So that was how, that was the hi. So you know, oftentimes we talk about the hi being like some big grand scale reason why you want to do something. You know, if you yeah. don't know if you don't know why, you shouldn't be doing it. You know, we've been saying we said that many times. If you don't know why, you shouldn't be doing it. But your hi 
can be just sometimes you want to do a show. Something. Exactly. Some, sometimes you just have to make a decision so that you can just correct that decision. But then sometimes the why is just I'm going to do this because if I don't do this, then nothing else will happen. But that's well, a, we you know. had the who on that particular project. Yeah, who was going to be doing it? Right, we, we had who we had we had who we had where. Yeah, and then the why was was because we needed to do a show and we needed to use it as a calling card for people to see what theater of others could do. And then from there, we 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 definitely developed the why. There, there, there was no question after after that performance. There was no question our why's. Our why was very well developed after that. From yeah. seeing the audience interaction, yeah. And then the second one-person piece we did was my piece, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> the why for that was to the, the why for that was to get you your PhD. <laughs> why? Um, because because it's forty percent of my PhD. That's, <laughs> That's why. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, my questions were: um, In what ways can Taksu be found in a non-Balinese performer and applied to a non-Balinese performance aesthetic. I was going to say contemporary performance aesthetic, but all Balinese performance is contemporary. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so with that, we had a really interesting journey through the whole process because, because it had a particular objective and and narrative and the the questions that needed to be answered were really specific it limited your ability to shift the, the directorial lens into an aesthetic that you understood from this from the start and when we when we when we talk about um the whole process and the debrief from it with with when Galtney and Jack are here we can go we can go further into that but i think it's important to we can ask, we can to bring in the the actor um um and director relationship in a one person um development because it's very important, right? If you're going to do a one-person piece, you need to you need to make sure the director you're working with you trust implicitly because you're asking them to be the extra eye f- for you when you can't be that. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's really important to understand so listeners to really understand when we're talking about solo work, solo performance, one-person show, it's not just one person. Yeah. working on that show or it shouldn't be because unless you're amazing jack of all trades who's also a lighting designer and a sound designer and a producer and a director and a writer like that's a lot we have one. one person we have one we have a jack of all trades yeah yeah you do but unless <laughs> i mean but why would you want to put all that extra pressure when there's also the performance that needs to happen as well so you know maybe maybe you don't need a full production team but it would be really behoove you to have that outside eye to push you somebody to argue with to make the argument better and and yeah the director is there to be your first audience as well is this working is this landing is this is this doing the thing that you want it to do 
is this being received and heard in the way that you're wanting it to be re- received and heard? Or is it being received and heard in a different way and that's also okay? Or do you need to clarify this? Do you need to rewrite that? Somebody needs to say to somebody, you need to cut it because otherwise it could go on for three <laughs> hours, you know? So, so <laughs> I think, that, well, the first time you said we need to cut 45 minutes and this yeah. time you said you need to cut an hour. Well, you just performed better than the next time we did it. That's all. <laughs> I still think, I still think, I still think 30 minutes could be cut from the piece. What, uh, okay, so we talk about we'll talk about this in a debrief. Okay, because I felt whole. <laughs> well, of course you felt whole. Of course you're up there, you know, living your best life. <laughs> <laughs> you and your streamlining. You and your streamlining. And it's not. And, and I'll say this. I'll say this as a precursor to the conversation we're going to have. It's not the section that you think of that I'm that I'm proposing. But thirty minute, thirty minutes needs to be cut from the from the piece. And it's golden. Ooh, now <laughs> you all need to listen in on the conversation because now I'm really intrigued. Because yeah. if it's not what I think it is, that mm-hmm. means two sections have to completely be untouched. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I still, I still think you I heard it here, audience. You heard it here, listeners. If it's, it's not what I think it is, it's not what I think it is. So that means that there are two sections that I think it could be, and then he says it's not that, so those don't get cut. No, no, that's not that's not that's not what I said. I said it's just I'm not I'm not advocating wholly cutting that one section that you think that I'm advocating for. I'm advocating for cuts other places. Anyway, okay, that's another okay. conversation. Well, and th- but this but that's actually this conversation because the cut, the edit, yeah, yeah. You you inside of it can't see, can't hear, can't do, and and because it's also your uh, your baby. If there's not another person there, if there's not somebody who's written it for you, or if there's not a director who is guiding that process, then it it may be impossible as the performer to know. What's landing? What's working? What's taking too much time? What isn't making sense? What is already being said somewhere else and doesn't need to be reset? What is what is um, extraneous information? So yeah, the editing, the cutting process, as we've talked about before, the edit is an incredibly important part of the process. Um, I think also for the performer, though, you you actually you can feel when it needs to. It's 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 a, it's a it's a really weird delicate situation that sometimes when we when an, a section is not landing we need to go deeper into it to make it land but other times when a section is not landing it's usually because it's a conflict with the flow of the the moment that you're in. I think that's the best way to decide on if a cut feels right. Because I think all the major cuts that we've done, I've been on board for, and I've actually yeah. implemented them. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's and 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 also when we when we talk about the when we talk about why the cuts need to 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 go, it's if it's an aesthetic thing or if it's an actual clarity thing. And if what you really want is in a section that you want that needs more clarity, 
that you don't want to cut it, then you need yeah. to put make it clearer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to make it clearer, and 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 you need to be able to have those those really um, vulnerable conversations with the team when the team is not reading it, but the performer is from a especially the performers has written the piece. Like I'm speaking mm. for myself, there were yeah. sections that I that I, that I knew needed to be in it. Yeah, and it, it it took it took until the it took until the day of the audience to get Adam to understand what what was happening because. Those sections actually require audience, you know. So it's like, mm-hmm. if you don't have an audience, a, 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 an audience to interact with, you can't pull in the form that you're working with. That that particular section that I was working on. That's why I held so I was holding so tightly to it. It was like, mm-hmm. and you know, and then we had the, we had the protection of the PhD being like, I have to answer this question, Adam. <laughs> and I was like, I okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> answer your fucking PhD question. Answer your PhD because question. It, but, but when we do this again, it's going away. <laughs> it's gonna burn. It's gonna burn. We're gonna light it in more than one spot so it burns yeah. faster. So it exactly. catches fire faster. <laughs> exactly. We're gonna do a tight 15, is what we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also the other thing where I like that's why you were the only person in my life that could direct my life's work. <laughs> yes. You're the only person. I would never give that that power to anyone else with my story. And I and I, I felt I felt that responsibility and I felt that trust. So yeah. So it's like and then and it turned out to be really great, y'all. It did. It, did. it turned out to be really it actually, great. It, it really did. It turned out it I mean, I, I say this with all respect, all respect. It turned out so much better than I thought it was going to be. You and me both. I say that with all respect too. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out but it, it, what it was we know it was cool. I sent um I sent my supervisor uh 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 a WhatsApp and I was like we literally did what we wanted to do. We did it. Mm-hmm. Everything that we had set out to do, mm-hmm. we did it. Yeah. And it's be- and and this is, I think, this this is this is the conversation we're going to go much deeper in uh, when Jack and Galtney are here. But you have to trust. You have to create an environment of like-minded artists. At the skill level that you are, or better, mm-hmm. I recommend better, mm-hmm. especially at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. If you have a composer, they better well be a better composer than anyone in the room. Mm-hmm. Goes for the director, goes for the dramaturg, goes for the performer. That it, it, you need to you you need to have a team where you can just sink sink sit back and sink into. We know our shit, mm-hmm. so we can just show up and then let the muse come in, then let the taxu come in and show us where our talent can shine in this collaborative nature and creating this one-person work. And then there's this beautiful humility from all of us where we give space to each other because we need your expertise and your voice in the practice. Yeah. 
I think I think that's uh, yeah. I think that's really important to hear as a solo performer. Is is I know I'm the best director in the room, and I say that. I mean, I say this with humility. I know I'm the best director in the room, but I am not the best artist in the room. And because there's mm. other artistry in that room, it makes me become a better director every single time. Mm. The pieces, the pieces of work that I've worked on that I've hated the most is when I know. I am the most invested, the most passionate, the most curious. I'm not going to say talented, but the most disciplined artist in the room. That's mm. the, those are the pieces that I do not like working on. Yeah. I like when I have to up my game. And if, if it's just you all by yourself, there's nobody there to push you. So having that collaborator, even just to be there to make you better, because yeah. they're asking the deeper questions. They're, at, they're, they're seeing the other things. They're, they're pushing... Um, a different agenda, even if you need to push back against that agenda, it's to make it's to make the work and your work as the solo performer better. Yeah, and I, you know the other thing I think is it's like trust your heart, trust your guts, and use your mind. <laughs> trust your heart, trust your guts, and use your fucking mind. Mm. I, you know, my my piece was heavily rooted in. And pushing up against imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy, me pushing up against the privilege of white male privilege, the the privilege and dominance of white male mediocrity. And my team were all white men at the top of their game with the biggest <laughs> hearts and the strongest minds and the, the, the most beautiful empathy and are willing to change and grow and develop from, from the work. You know, we had a... You know, we had a really awesome conversation about. It. He's like, "But Booty, we, we, you, your whole team is white men," and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, but I I chose the y'all motherfuckers because y'all motherfuckers understand me. My heart is here, and so then it becomes the next level of really where the world needs to be moving, where it's not about your fucking race mate. It's about fucking the art." And about mm. being able to create something where we can have a dialogue, you know. Because t- the other thing is like, you know, I'm I may not have, have had other people of color and create and generating the work, but I had a space with artists that allowed me to tell my truth and really be my be in my truth without any obstruction if it didn't feel right for them. Mm. And they created an environment that made my truth clearer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what artists do, yo. That's when you that's when that's when you get the Pad LaBelles and the Cindy Loppers as best friends. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Now, <laughs> I'll be I'll, I'll be yo I'll be yo Patty to your Cindy. Are you? It's actually the other way around. My Cindy to your Patty. <laughs> Not sure, I want to be either I, one of I, them. But okay. I've seen you and and your fan hairdos and your long fingernails, Adam. Right. <laughs> and those big old riffs you'd be giving my Patty mm. to your Cindy. Yeah, you're definitely mm. a Cindy. Wow! 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 so i think it's time for some provocations okay all right do you have any on your on your list 
Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be the same uh, kind of provocation that I I would give my students whenever we would start our our kind of sessions when, whenever I was teaching the the solo performance class, independent study. I don't know what, what do we even call it. I, we called it IP, but it it meant it stood for something else. I can't remember. But they always came in. They always came in telling me, "Here's what I'm going to do." I'm going to do a piece about X. I'm going to do a puppet show about, you know, this, this, that, or the other. And I'm going to, I'm going to do this, see the kind of the same thing of going, instead of jumping to form, start with your why. Mm. Start with the question of what is it that I would like to talk about, do, discuss? Because it's very, very easy to jump to form. And once you have jumped to form, you have shut down all other options. You may say like, oh, I want to do a, a comedic piece about global warming. But what if an opera actually would work best? What if a puppet show would work best? What if it needs to be a stand-up comedy instead of a, a comedic narrative? When you, when you decide on the, on the form, the easiest, easiest thing, you limit your ability to ask the, the real questions. So mm. um, you hear us say this all the time, start with your why, but... Start with your why so that you don't jump to form. Uh, leave form to the very last possible moment that you have to decide on form. Let your why determine what it's going to be. And it may, and it may end up being that it needs to be a solo performance. It may end up being that you have to add somebody else. It may end up being that you, it, it becomes something else. I'm thinking very specifically, Booty, about the next solo performance that we have planned that oh. actually that actually ends up not being a solo performance because it needs necessitates having other individuals in the piece. So what was going to be a solo performance actually has two other characters, three other characters. Are you talking it. about our durational work? Yes, we are talking about that. So Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I love durational work. It's fun. Good. Good, I'm glad. You're like, you better do. You, be- you, you don't have much choice. The audience will tell if you like it or not really I'd be quickly. Like, oh, this sucks. It sucks for you too. Me too. Exactly. <laughs> well, look, I think that's a really I think that's a really great provocation. And I, I'm actually gonna go in a completely different direction for great. the performer. Just some advice. If it hurts, you're in the right place. You got to be willing to give something up, y'all. Yeah. And the other thing is, and this is really important, if you don't want to tell the story, you decide on if the story needs to be told. True that. Your life is not up for grabs. And a third thing, and this, I think this is the most important. If you're doing biographical, autoethnographic, autobiographical um, solo performance, make sure you have a therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because stuff gets unpacked. And and I'm not saying it in the sense that you're going to go into dark places and it's going to be really ugly. I'm saying the exact opposite. Mm. I started to shine, y'all. This work made me shine, and because I had, I had a, uh, 
therapy and and in tandem with the process i like i healed many parts of me my clan my epigenetics my what what the energy i'm 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 sharing with my 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 dna and my my family like it's it's and I'll, I'll talk more about this when we unpack but I can't tell you how important theater is from the space of the autobiographical lens. And if you do it with a healthy mm, investigation, mm-hmm. and I say healthy investigation, meaning you have someone that is not invested in the production, that is a certified classified therapist, y'all be getting bad therapy from your family and friends. That's not what I'm saying. Don't be going to your family and friends for therapy. That's not what they're for. Get someone that you trust. And then you can actually actually build and develop that relationship throughout for over time, which gives you even more license to go even um, closer to places mm-hmm. that may seem dark. But that darkness isn't as dark as you think it is. It's like when you go into a room that has no light and at first it's pitch black, but all of a sudden your eyes adjust and you can actually see quite well and you can you can sense um, what's the, the objects in the space. That's the same thing that happens with the darkness that we seem to want to hide in our lives when, that might be very important for us in, in the greater scheme of, of theater and being human beings. So that's my provocation. I, I want to add on to this provocation now that you've, now that you've mentioned it. Um, I had a great conversation with um, uh, somebody who took my composition workshop last year, Prior Okolovich, and they are they are a new students finishing up their first year at NYU, and uh, they interviewed me for MFA or undergrad, 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 mm. um, and they. They were interviewing me for a uh, an assignment they were working on about immersive theater and um, what is the company's responsibility to the audience. What is the company's um, not just not just beyond you know uh, physical safety but mental health safety as well to an audience. What what is the culpability of of a company? And we were talking, and we and I brought up the fact that. And, and I want to encourage this. This is my provocation to everybody out there. Not It's not about normalizing, but like it is now time to start advocating that theater companies have mental health professionals on staff. Yes. Not Amen. only. Amen. So, so this is not only for performers in rehearsals, but yeah. also for the audience in shows as well. When oh. you know it, it's it's not it's not enough to just say you know here are the trigger warnings. It's it's now. Wait a minute. You mean you, you mean you have therapy booths outside? I think so. Like kissing I booths. I, I think so. That, that's. Fabulous. I I was I was I was I'll, I'll link this in the show notes. But I was watching um, a piece about uh, a piece of theater that um, uh, Stephen will know the, this company. They did this. It's, it's um. Oh God, Blankenship! I can't remember the the name. I'll put it in the show notes. But basically, they had written a piece about returning soldiers dealing with PTSD, and so 
And so, of course, they needed they needed a licensed therapist on set for the actors dealing with it. But they realized that the audience was going to be made up of veterans returning as, from war as well, mm. and that they needed to provide them the care if it triggered them. If you know these explosion, mm. if these explosive sounds, these gunfire sent them back into their PTSD mm. to have somebody to talk to to how to process that. And and that's and if we are dealing with if we are doing subject matter that is provocative and taboo and contemporary and now, then it's mm. not enough for a theater company to just be like, well, deal with it on your own and we're done. Mm. But it's it's imperative for us to say, if we're going to talk about these things, here are the tools that we can help provide you or a place to provide you to deal with them also. So basically taking theater back to its roots. Because before right. we had therapy, we had the theater. That's right. That's right. That's fabulous. Adam, how the hell would we know that these people did this thing? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to go to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Speakpipe.com backslash theater of others, theater with an R-E, theater of others, all one word. You can leave a 90-second voice message there. We will play it on air. We've got a uh, a question uh, that we have came a question? to us. We have a question, but we'll save it for next time, actually, because I think it's a really good one to start with. Um, but team? this. But this question, this question came to us from Instagram because you can send us messages on, Ooh, we are on Facebook, the gram, Instagram, our website. Uh, you can send us messages to podcast at theaterofothers.com. Mm. We'll, we'll take them however you want to send them to us because we love your questions and it sends us send us off into a, a lovely tailspin answering those things. I love a good tailspin. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> And you need to subscribe, 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 y'all. Be mm-hmm. part of the conversation. Listen to us once a week. We we are doing it, y'all. We are here for you. And right. if you like us, you can do what my Uber driver does. Give me five star, five star, five star. You give me five star, I give you five star, five star, five star, five star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 we, we need to be uh, starting to do this more. We have merchandise. Go to the website. We got merch. Merchandise, merch, urch, right. urch, and it, it's it's growing. Our 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 merch is growing. That's you right. know, we 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 can't tell you what we're going to be doing, but there's some new things that we're looking at. <laughs> mm-hmm. They might sparkle, they might be slippery, but they might be in the merch. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. But right now we have amazing hoodies and yeah. water bottles and coffee mugs and the t-shirt, y'all, and a sticker. Come on now. I've got I'm I'm I told y'all I am going to be tagging the world with my theater of other sticker. Don't be forget another the, y'all. Don't forget the limited edition patch. Only only a small Ooh. amount we're doing. Yeah, we are going to do seasons. It's got the eye. Yeah, it's got the eye on it. So I highly recommend the limited edition patch. Yeah, Um, mine's going to be here in a couple weeks. I'm so excited. Two weeks. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yay! Oh yeah, that's right. You're you're actually monitoring my delivery. (laughs) I I, yeah, I get updates every single day. This has shipped. This has shipped. Yeah, you're you're getting a couple of different shipments that didn't ship out all together. So you'll get like three. Which I like. It's like it's like I I love y'all. I very rare, I very rarely get snail mail unless it's a package that I've like purchased. So like yeah. it's like it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. That and parking and speeding tickets. But we won't talk about that here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can we, it delivers all over the world. We have uh we have uh stores all over the world. So no matter where you are, you can get this merchandise to show your support to us. And it it really it's does support us. Job. It really does yeah. support us. I mean, this is this is a thing where like yes. 
we uh, we we take this money, we invest it right back into the people in the company. Yes, um, yes. We need to pay our producer. <laughs> he makes this beautiful music for you every week. We need to get this boy some money. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, Adam. Yes, booty. Good luck with your pooping, peeing pup. Thanks. She's asleep now. She it wore her out that that quick spat of movement. Yeah. <laughs> But see, that's the thing. When they get like that, you, that's when you take them for the walk. Now, but unfortunately, yeah, no, Wake no. Her up? When when she was freaking out and spazzing and like about the pee and poop all over, that's when that's when you take them for the walk. That's what we do well, for bombs. Yeah, I well, know we had a podcast. I know we had a I podcast. Know, exactly. It's my. You. I'm sorry. It's my fault. I'm sorry <laughs> that you're a dog. <laughs> Look, you pooped on my brain last week. Now your dog is pooping on the floor. Exactly. Exactly. I do what I can, and she does what she does. <laughs> um, well, I would say kiss your wife, but she's MIA, baby. MIA, exactly. Who knows when I'll ever see her again, if I'll ever see her again. <laughs> she is out in the desert and the in the beach and doing her thing. Yeah, She exactly. is doing her Middle Eastern thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love you. I love it's you, so too. good to see you. Great to see you. I, I see miss you, you. I miss you. Miss you. Miss I you. Know, being near I know. I miss you. you too. I miss you so much. It was amazing. Like it was so funny. Like when you were when you like came like out of the airport, like my <laughs> my like my nervous system had to like adjust. I was like, uh, 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 uh. It was like Obama <laughs> when I came home after being gone for a month. It was like, yeah. Is this real or uh? I don't know how to respond. It's it's. Yeah. It's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll see you next week, yeah? Yeah, see you next week. That's true. Twice <laughs> next week. That's right. Yeah, baby. And we're going to bring the boys, too. That's yep. when, that's, that's you know, the crew is going to be in the house. Yeah. For y'all, y'all need to catch on and catch up and listen. And we'll see you and talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Theater Brothers Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out, too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theater Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question. To join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey.